Amen. Well, it is wonderful to be with you this morning. Um, my name is Katie. Uh, if you haven't met me, I'm married to Paul, who has our two and a half month old, probably in the parents' room. We had a discussion about this. It's not a mom's room, it's a parents' room. So we're very inclusive. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited. I'm going to be talking this morning just about moving from fear to faith and um, changing our perspective to strengthen our faith. And, you know, a couple of months ago, um, Ken Grenfell was actually here ministering at Oceanside, and there was this tangible shift in the atmosphere. From one meeting to the next, it was just like something has shifted. And we were like thanking God because we needed that shift. Um, but in that season, in the, when he was here and in the weeks after, I really felt God lay a challenge on my heart. Um, and he just said, you know, Katie, you can continue to look back to Egypt and grumble about what has passed this last season, or you can look ahead and you can take a hold of the promises. And I felt that for our, our eldership team, and I feel for us that I want to encourage us today, because if you've been listening, what God is saying, I love what Steve shared this morning. It's not Canada's time. It's God's time for Canada. How many of you feel and know that this is a season of taking the land. There is a weariness from what we've just been through, right? We need to acknowledge that. But there is also a great expectation for taking ground because God is on the move. God has more for you. God has more for your family. God has more for your connect group. God has more for your church. God has more for our cities. And it's in that conviction that I want to remind us and encourage us in our perspective today as we look forward and to, to fight to maintain this perspective of faith. And so we're going to pick up with the Israelites. Oh, I forgot to start my time. Sorry, guys. Um, but we're going to pick up in the Israelite story. Um, it's a pivotal moment for them. Um, where perspective is actually pretty key to their story. And I think it's, it's a pivotal moment for us where perspective is key to our story. So if you want to turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, the Israelites, they've come out of Egypt. They've come out of the bondage of slavery. They're journeying in the desert. God is providing for them, right? He is our provider of manna, water, meat. They come to the border of the promised land, right? We, we know these stories Moses, he sends out the ten, the 12 spies, right? He sends out the spies to scout out the land. And they come back with two very different stories. They come back with two different reports, two different perspectives. And literally the course of their nation is changed because they choose to believe one of these perspectives. And I know that we have heard this story I've been coming to equip since I was about 10 years old. And would it even be an equip if there wasn't a preach about taking the land? So it's my turn to give it today. Um, but I believe that we need fresh faith for a fresh season. So this is a refresher. I'm a nurse as well as a mom, and we have to do continuing education, right? Refresher courses. So this is our refresher for a perspective of faith. So if you're in Numbers 13, I'm going to just kind of skip through some verses because it's a lot to read. 
Um, I think we'll have some of it up there. There we go. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. I think it's noteworthy that these were leaders that they picked to go scout out the land. Leaders from the tribes that brought back these reports. So Moses sends them. We're going to skip down to verse 17. Moses says to them, go up into the Negev, go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps, strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, trees, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. So they went up, they spied out the land, right? It tells us where they went. We know that they cut down a cluster of grapes to show, right? Dave talked about that, the big grapes, really big grapes. I remember that in Sunday school. That's what kind of sticks out this story, the really big grapes. At the end of the day, right, they come back, 40 days, they return. They come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel. Verse 27 They told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. Yes, right? It flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit, giant grapes. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified. They're very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites that dwell in the land. And it goes through and it says the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. But isn't that just like life? However, besides, there's lots of howevers and besides on this journey. But what does Caleb say? Verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. You're going to hear we say that phrase because I want us to leave this time with the conviction and revelation that we are well able to overcome it, not because of us, but because of him. Verse 31, it says, Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have come to spy out, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. That does sound scary. Um, And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And we saw the Nephilim there, the sons of Anak, right? And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. In chapter 14, it says, all the congregation, they raised a loud cry. The people wept. And the people start to grumble against their leaders, against Moses and Aaron. And they kind of start freaking out, let's be honest. They're like, oh my goodness, we should have stayed in Egypt. We should have died in the desert. And Moses and Aaron literally fall on their faces before the assembly. And the two spies, Caleb and Joshua, they tear their clothes. And they're like, No. And you can hear Caleb speaking again. This is chapter 14, verse 7. He says, The land through which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. Verse 8 If the Lord delights in us, 
He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. It's a very unpopular perspective that Caleb and Joshua brought back. And we know that after this report comes back from the spies that some kind of holy chaos breaks out, right? And there's some serious consequences to not believing what God had said, to not taking him at his word. And we'll pick back up on that. But what I think it's worth pointing out here and reminding of is that those 12 men, they saw the same things practically with their eyes. They saw, they were given the same instructions and charged by Moses. They weren't like they were given special instructions to the two and to the 10. No, they were told the same thing. They saw the same cities. They saw the same people, the same giants. They saw the fruit. They saw the land. I don't know how they saw it flowing with milk and honey, but that's what they saw. Yet, their response was completely different, right? The 10 spies, they looked ahead, and though they admitted that the land was good, what their focus was was the obstacles, the giants, struggles, fear, and unbelief. You can hear it in their report. It had taken hold of their hearts. And the two spies, they looked at the land. They had looked at circumstances. They saw the strongholds. They still saw it. But they saw the promise of the land. They saw the goodness. And they were full of faith in their response. So how could their responses be so different? Because they had different perspectives, right? And they, they saw through different eyes. And we know that our perspective is so much more than what we see with our eyes. It's about our hearts. And it's the hearts that filtered what their physical eyes were seeing that were in a different place. And that's why we sing for God to open the eyes of our heart, right? We still sing that song. It's old now, but we still sing it sometimes. Because we know that our hearts need to see with this perspective that God has. We are called to be a people that walk by faith and not by sight. That's what 2 Corinthians says. And if we merely live by what we see, we will be kept in a place of unbelief. Absolutely. We are called to step out and walk in faith, which is what? The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And it's not that our head is in the sand. We know there are challenges, but it's that we believe what God has said and we buy into his perspective. And Terry Virgo says, a prophetic person, we know that we're called to be a prophetic people, right? A prophetic person is one who is totally alive to world issues, yet totally sold out to God's perspective. So it's not that we're unaware of the realities. It's that we trust his perspective. And so this morning, I want to go through and just kind of highlight some things and compare the 10 and the 2 and some things that they did 
that either left them in a place of unbelief or left them in a place of faith. And I don't know about you, but I want to leave this time for a faith because we need faith to go into all that God has for us. And you know what? Faith is a gift. We know that it comes from God. We can't stir it up in our own strength, but it is this, these times where he stirs faith in our hearts. And it's this piece of changing our perspective to strengthen our faith. It's like this positive feedback loop. It's like we, we change our perspective, it strengthens our faith. We strengthen our faith, it helps to shape our perspective. But we've got to start somewhere. So let's look at these 10 and these 2 and take some of the mistakes or the things that they did right to move forward. Um, so the three things. So the first one, the 10, they did not believe the promises of God. They didn't take him at his word, like I said. And I think it's worth remembering that God has promised this land to the Israelites as far back as Abraham. This isn't something new. They've been hearing about this for a while. In Exodus 3, at the burning bush, God promises the land to Moses to deliver his people into this good and broad land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses, before he sends the 12, reminds them of these promises right before they go. In Deuteronomy 1, um, chap- yeah, chapter 1, verse 21, this is, it's kind of the same account. It's Moses sending them out. And he says, see, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession. As the Lord, the God of your fathers has told you, do not fear or be dismayed. They get told that right before they get sent. But the response of the 10, mm, we should not go up. They're stronger than we are. They didn't believe it, right? Where there should have been faith in the promises of God, in his power, there was fear and unbelief. And how often that can happen with us. We look at what lies ahead. We look at circumstance. We know the promises of God. We know his word. Yet, we are stuck in a place of unbelief. And um, in the commentaries, Matthew Henry has this quote in talking about this and the Israelites and the process of kind of what's happening in their hearts. Um, It says, I think I have it up there. Yeah, unbelief. Unbelief overlooks the promises and power of God, magnifies every danger and difficulty, and fills the heart with discouragement. You can see that happening with the Israelites, right? But the two spies, they remembered the promises of God, despite what they saw, despite the battles to come, the obstacles, the question marks. What does Caleb say? He says, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And that's the first key um, The first thing that we can do to help to change and shift our perspective is to remember his promises. Look back at what he has spoken. We know that his word does not return void and he's not a man that he should lie. He is faithful to his word. So guys, let's take him at his word. What are some of the promises over your life, over your family, over your marriage, over your churches? We need to pull out those journals and find the recordings and listen to them again, the promises of God. In these key moments, God often speaks a lot 
right? These, I mean, as Oceanside, we're going to be going through a transition and God is speaking lots of prophetic words, lots of things. He speaks all of these promises and downloads that we can hold on to them when the going gets tough. Reminding of ourselves of those promises will strengthen our faith. And maybe it's those scriptures that God gave you, the scriptures that encourage you to take that step of faith. We go back and we read those scriptures and we meditate on them because they help us, these promises, they help us to see past kind of the fog of circumstance and fear. It helps us to get a glimpse of what God is seeing, that higher perspective, right? We know that his word is a lamp unto our feet. That's what the word says. His promises are like a lighthouse, I feel, they're guiding us what's in to come through the fog. It's like shining his promises. Guys, this is what I see. Despite what you see with your physical eyes, despite the howevers and the besides, his promises shining. So if you find yourself in a place of unbelief or fear or apathy, which I think is almost worse, <laughs> I feel like that's, I think in the Canadian church, we've seen such apathy over COVID. It's like, oh, that's one of the things I've loved witnessing though, is people coming out of that apathy. It's like, there's this holy dissatisfaction. There's got to be more than this. And I love it because I think that's when we can take hold of what he's saying. So start to remind yourself of those promises. Go back through those journals and those recordings because he is a man He's not a man that he should lie, right? He's a God of his word. He's faithful to his word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. So that's the first difference. The next difference I want to point out, you guys with me, you guys are quiet. It says that the 10 spies looked at themselves. Numbers 13, 33. They talk about these people of great height. And it seemed to ourselves, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. They looked at themselves and their faith dwindled. They looked at themselves, their perspective became narrowed. How many of you know that if we look at ourselves, we will never be able to walk into what God has for us? We will never measure up. Which is great, because... He is able, and he wants to use us. But this piece of looking at ourselves, I love ministering team because the team is, is preaching my message for me. They're preaching my points for me. Jackie, with the word of the mirror shattering, stop looking at yourselves. You will not be able to do this on your own. Our faith, you know, we weren't meant to build our faith up by looking at ourselves. We're meant to look to him. And the I don't know how many ways, right, we can, that word has come through this morning. Stop looking at yourselves. So many times in ministry, in life, in parenting, I feel like I'm that little boy with the two loaves, or the two fish and the five loaves, and the one that Andrew brings to Jesus, right, when they have all those people to feed. And it's like, it's not much, but this is what I have. I often feel like that. But Jesus, what does he do? He takes that, and in his hands, he makes it something great and miraculous. God wants your two little fish and your five loaves. Bring it to him. 
So many times we can look at ourselves and we take a back seat and we say, we'll have to use somebody else. And it's a trap of the enemy that we fall for. And God's wanting to break that. He's asking us to look to him. And I love what Steve, what you shared this morning about, and Starla, about the glass, the glass ceiling and the glass box. Because when we look to him, right, that posture, we can't, we can't look down when we're looking to him. When we look to God, you can't look at God. I mean, our perspective, even just think about it, right? If, even if you're slightly slouched, when we look up, raise your head. We will stand, right, with a posture. It's different. There's a confidence. There's a stance that comes. And that's what we see with the two spies. They had confidence because their faith was anchored in him and not in themselves. They got this right. They knew where to look. And when you hear Caleb talking, you can hear it. Like, his eyes are locked on God. Chapter 14, Caleb says, he will bring us into the land. He will fight for us. The Lord is with us. And that's the second thing that we can do to, in this kind of, to shift from fear and unbelief to faith, to shift our perspectives, to adjust our perspective, to sharpen our perspectives, is to look to God. We are well able to overcome because the Lord is with us. Caleb not only remembers the promises of God, but he actually believes them and he looks to God to fulfill them in his present need. So where are we looking? When we come up against trials and hardships and giants, if we look at ourselves, it can be really overwhelming and we will stay in a place, we will settle in unbelief and fear. But when we look to God, we can have faith for what's ahead and what he's bringing us into. And this is probably the biggest piece of changing our perspective. But we need to remember, and we've seen about it even today, the victory is yours. We are putting our faith in him, in what he has said, right? It's not our good ideas. Jesus has never lost a battle. Jesus defeated death. He defeated darkness. He is the risen king. He is the warrior king. And it's him that leads us into this battle. If we're following, if we're not running into our own battles, right? And you can hear a lot about changing your perspective and like positivity with lots of self-help books. Like this is a whole movement, right? But it's so much more than just positive thinking. We can't do this on our own. That's just the reality. We have to look to Jesus. Jesus, I need you to be with me and to move in me and to carry me and to fight for me and to be my strength. Just like the Israelites weren't meant to take the land in their own strength. Neither are we. And our battles are not against flesh and blood or people, but against powers and principalities. So my encouragement this morning, I feel like it's come through loud and clear the mirror is shattered, isn't that piece of looking at yourselves? Don't become like grasshoppers to yourselves and to others. He is for you. He has chosen you, and he is well able. So the ten spies... 
After they saw the land, they didn't believe the promises. They looked at themselves. What did they do next? They spoke out fear and they spread unbelief. So what did they say? They said, the people of the land are strong. Their cities are fortified. We're not able to overcome them. And then scripture says they gave a bad report. It says they murmured in their tents. I love that word, murmuring. It even sounds negative, murmur. They murmured in their tents. And it says that the bad report, it melted the hearts of the people. It melted their courage. It melted their faith. I feel like we've seen that in the last season. We've seen courage and faith melt in God's people. But there is power in what we speak. And there is power in what we declare. And the two spies here, what Caleb says is quite different, right? He says, do not fear the people of the land. They are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not be afraid. I feel like it's like some Old Testament trash talking. I don't know if you guys are like in sports. Um, <laughs> that's like, they are bread for us. We're going to eat you for lunch. <laughs> I used to play basketball, right? The Eagles. I was an eagle. <laughs> Mighty Eagles. Anyway, um, trash talking. We're going to eat you for lunch. I'm not saying we need to trash talk the enemy. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm just saying we need to know who is on our side because Caleb knew that the king, the warrior king, was with them and was giving them the land. And that's the third thing to help to shift and change our perspective is to speak life. And Steve even touched on this last night, but speaking life can shift our own perspective. There are power in our words and it changes the atmosphere, right? We know that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as we set out with faith, for what God has for us, we need to be found speaking life. Speaking life. It's not just a pep talk. It's not positive thinking. It's declaring with faith what we believe and what God has said. And it doesn't just build our faith, but it builds faith of those around us, right? Just like a bad report can melt the hearts of people, declaring faith can actually instill strength and encourage, right? It's putting courage inside us. And we know this. It's a refresher. But are we doing this? <laughs> you know, the world has seen a lot of value in this piece of the power of your words and what you say. There's like science behind it, right? But I don't think that Caleb saw the giants and the cities and he was just like, I'm going to be really positive right now. You know, like he, no. He went against the majority of his friends, his fellow leaders, and his relatives. He spoke with conviction when he was speaking life. This isn't just, I'm going to be positive today. This is conviction, and we are called to speak life. And I think our tendency to speak life over the last season has been seriously tested. And I think if we're honest, and I'm including myself, I think that we've fallen into some unhelpful patterns in what we speak. Because speaking life is an uphill battle. It's way easier to join the crowd and murmur. There are lots of challenges in Canada. I don't need to tell you about them. But we are called to speak life and to declare with our lips. And I also want to call some of us out here, um, speaking to myself again, you know, this piece of, you know, your 
an optimist or, or not, like cup half full, cup half empty. And I'm always like, I'm not negative. I'm just realistic. I'm a realist. Like I want to know I'm just realistic. Right. But I want to say that I think the 10 spies were probably being realistic. There were challenges. They were fortified cities. Hello, Jericho. Like that's true. But I think that they focus so much on the difficulties, And I think that we can actually cop out of speaking life because we're being realistic. Is anybody with me? Maybe I'm just preaching to myself, but let's be found speaking life, declaring what God can do in a situation, declaring what God can do in people's life, highlighting the good that we see in people and in situations and what God can save, what God can restore, what God's already done. Let's be found speaking life because speaking life actually strengthens our faith and changes our perspective. And I'm not asking you to, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't just be positive for positive sake. But if we can, I think we can be realistic, but then we need to look to God, that piece of stature. We can't be hunched over. And then we need to remember what he says and then speak it out with conviction. Because even Jesus says in Matthew 9, so after, you know, they come to him, it's the blind man. And Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this, right? To the blind man. And he says, yes, Lord. And he says, according to your faith, so be it. Because our faith is revealed by what we speak and our words. So let's be found speaking life. What are we speaking over our marriages? What are we speaking over our families, over our churches, over our cities, over this nation? Is there still life in your words? You know what's so wonderful today for you and I is that if you don't hear much faith, and life in your words, you actually don't have to stay there. I think we all have moments where we can forget what God has said, or we can look at ourselves and our faith dwindles, and fear and unbelief can start to rise up, but we don't have to stay there. And actually, we can't afford to in this season. If we continue on that path, what happened to the 10 spies? I said that we'd get back to it, right? The people chose to believe the perspective of the 10. And they actually miss out on all that God has promised for them. Not only do they miss out, they actually die. So that's a pretty serious consequence. Um, But their bad report, right? It spreads, it melts the hearts of the people. And God actually says that no one over the age of 20, right, can enter the land because of their unbelief. A whole generation then has to wander the desert because in the place of faith, they chose the perspective of unbelief and fear. And you know, it's funny because they talk about that they're fearing for their children, right? Some of their murmuring. And it's actually their kids that get to take the land, which is so ironic. That that they've most feared for, they're the ones that get to take it. The consequence of their unbelief is pretty hard to swallow. And I don't know if it's as dramatic for us. Because this isn't about salvation, right? That's settled. But this is about entering into all that God has for us. 
And this is about our inheritance. And our inheritance, it's not land and money and all these things. What is our inheritance? It's people. On the other side of our unbelief is people that need to hear and need to know. And I'm so speaking to myself because I know there's times in my life where I didn't go deeper because of unbelief. Because circumstances, it just seemed too, like, it's just overwhelming. And I didn't take God at his word. And I don't want to do that in this season. When it feels like there's this call, that there's a time, that it's, that God is doing things. God is stirring things. It's a new season. We need new faith. Dave said on Sunday that it's not business as usual. And my heart was like, no, it's not. So what about the two, right? We know the consequences of the ten, the two. And I am landing here. Thank you guys for staying with me. So those that saw the land with eyes of faith, they looked with a perspective full of faith. We know that Joshua, he goes on to lead the people into the land. And one of the legacies of the book of Joshua is be strong and very courageous, right? It says that so many times. And why were they able to be strong and very courageous? Because God miraculously gives them the land that he promised. And what about Caleb? So Caleb, who does a lot of the talking for the two of them. In Numbers 14, verse 24, God says of Caleb, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb was known by God as wholeheartedly following after him. His legacy was one of faith and faithfulness. God says he has a different spirit. And may I suggest a different perspective, right? But I love his legacy. Oh, I long for that to be our legacy as a family. That we follow the Lord wholeheartedly into all that he has for us. And I'm convicted as I study, and I'm convicted as I speak. Our perspective can affect where we're going and whether we walk into what God has for us. And I just, I don't want to settle in unbelief. I challenge you to look and check your perspective. Repent today if you need to. Shift it. Make adjustments. We can adjust our perspective back to one of faith. And it's not necessarily like a destination of like unbelief and faith, right? It's almost like a spectrum. But wherever we are, let's move towards faith. Because changing our perspective will strengthen our faith as we do this. It's like pushes us closer. There's like momentum towards faith or this murmuring momentum towards unbelief. So remember his promises. Look to him not ourselves, and let's be found speaking life. Speak life, and then let God come and strengthen that faith and build your hope. And I want to put back up the quote about unbelief. So that's um, Henry's quote. Unbelief overlooks the promises and power of God, magnifies every danger and difficulty, and fills the heart with discouragement. We've all been there. I rewrote it with faith. So what does faith do? Faith looks and holds to the promise and power of God. 
It puts into perspective every difficulty, magnifies his strength, and fills the heart with courage. What's so great this morning is that wherever you are on that spectrum, let's move towards faith.